And welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. Can we talk about writing this week? I think that's a great topic because writing has so many components to it. I think it's going to take us more than one week. We're going to have a multi-part episode. I think so because <laughs> writing is is like building blocks and there's like 10 pieces of Legos that you have to hook together to make the writing Lego. I hang out with five-year-olds way too much. <laughs> when your analogies become Lego building yes, blocks? Yes, when my analogies are dragging people across bridges and building, <laughs> writing is 10 Legos hooked together. I went to a class last week at a conference and they were taking about talking about... Um, my turn, your turn, our turn, whatever, whatever you said, your yeah, strategy. Yeah, your turn, our, whatever. Yeah. And did and you said, tell them all to call it dragging across the bridge? No. And the instructor said, well, everyone knows these terms. And he said <laughs> the terms and I'm like, well, I'm sure I learned those terms at one time, but I like dragging across the bridge. <laughs> They just I seem like so stuffy. <laughs> and so writing, <laughs> writing, I'm sure that it's like something fabulous, like 10 steps to writing. But no, we're going to call it 10 pieces of Legos. 10 pieces of Legos. <laughs> All right, everyone get set for the 10 pieces of Legos writing adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we should start with shared writing. All right. All right, Let's talk about Lego number one, <laughs> <laughs> shared writing. All right, let's talk about why shared writing is so important and what it looks like in a kindergarten classroom. So the shared writing process is really powerful because it gives the teacher the ability to model writing for students in a think aloud style. I think one of the great things about shared writing is the think aloud process, because really that's what shared writing is. It gives the teacher the opportunity to think aloud as they're doing um, any of the writing skills. And today, your dad was taking a risk management driver's test because to drive a car Why did he have to take... Oh. Because to drive a... Go ahead and ask your question. You have to start back at today your father was. Yeah. Like today, your father had to take a driving test for the risk management. Why did he have to take a risk management driving test? So to drive a district car, if you have your employees take this risk management test, then your insurance is cheaper. Oh, <laughs> And so okay. every employee that wants to drive a district car has to take this test. Okay. And... It's pretty, it was interesting because it's, um, it was interesting because one of the questions you have to say in the, one of, it was interesting because one of the questions in the test was you had to promise that the next time you drive, you would think aloud every step of driving. Put key in ignition. <laughs> Turn key. <laughs> Put car in reverse. Don't look in rearview mirror. Did you know you're not supposed to look in your rearview mirror at all when you're backing out? No. First you turn your head left, then right, <laughs> then back, then to the side, and then you do another sweep before you start to back up. <laughs> Thank goodness my Toyota has a little camera, so I can just watch my little camera. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to just stare into your little camera. No, I'm not supposed don't, to. Don't because the do risk that. management question, it said to like turn those off. It said never look through your camera. Well, I'm glad your... you learned that from your risk management. I learned that today on the risk management <laughs> test. But uh, but the reason that they wanted you to do that activity that was kind of silly, but Dad wouldn't want me to tell you this, but when we drove over to the grocery store tonight, he talked his whole way over driving. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm about 15 seconds behind that car, so I need to be three car lengths behind it. (laughs) (laughs) So he did his assignment. But I think the purpose that they have you do that activity for risk management is because when you 
think aloud, you actually are using different parts of your brain. And so you're able to absorb the information more. And so with shared writing, when you are writing in front of your students, you need to just do just like the driver's test. Even if it feels silly to you, you need to say every step along the way. So I use well, shared you're writing. Making, you're making all of your metacognition explicit for your students, right? Because they can't see all those steps in the writing process that are so embedded for us. So we have to spell it out, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the places I really like to use shared writing is with my star student. And so I think I'll just kind of walk through that, how I do the shared writing activity with a star student. Okay. All right, so I choose the star and then they come up and the kids ask questions of them and then we write the, question, we write the students' answers. So if Susie comes up and Billy raises his hand and said, says, what is your favorite color? And Susie says, blue. Then I said, oh, great, let's put that in a sentence. And so together, we all work to make the full complete sentence. Susie likes the color blue, or Susie likes blue. Let's just do that short version. And so after we've made a complete sentence, then we count the words. Susie likes blue. And so then I'll move my hand to the left side of the page, and I'll, I'll say, oh I, oh, I need to start on the left side of the, side of the page. Susie, Susie, tell me the beginning sound of Susie. And the kids, of course, will say S. And what letter makes the sound S? And the little Lindsays in the class will say S. <laughs> and so I will write the S and I'll start writing the S. And just as I'm starting, I'm like, oh, it's the beginning of a sentence. What? What do I need to remember? with my first letter of the sentence, and they'll say capital Do you letters. ask them to volunteer all of this, or do you ever just think through I never it, ask. Like... I never ask for volunteers, so that's a good question. If no one answers me... it sounds like you're me, ask, asking for volunteers, or are you just I'm thinking, aloud, thinking aloud, and I'm then if aloud, they and... share, you take their yeah, suggestion? Okay. Exactly. I'm I thinking thought you aloud. were asking them... No, no, I don't... No. I, I pretend they're not even there. You're... I'm just... A, I'm self-absorbed. I'm doing a think aloud, and okay. I'm self-absorbed in my own writing. Of course, I make eye contact. You're not really self-absorbed in your own I'm writing. I'm not completely ignoring them <laughs> <laughs> because I'm doing this to teach them. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just a activity where they chime in. I'm thinking aloud, and and I've kind of modeled this a little bit for them to. Because uh, I don't want kids to think they always have to raise their hands to talk. And so I really do a lot of just kids chime in answering. So but so if you're a teacher that really is into hand raising, I think you could still do the think aloud, but it will be a little more cumbersome if you have to stop at every s step and have kids raise their hands. So I would suggest for this activity to train your kids just to answer your, your Answer think aloud politely questions. and <laughs> yeah okay so continue all right so I will go ahead and think aloud as I do that whole sentence so I've got the s written Susie Susie gosh Susie's a hard name to spell I wonder if anyone could help me figure out how to spell Susie and then I'm just sitting there looking and then I kind of like point at the helper chart or other things where Susie's name might be and someone will say hey Susie's name is right there and I'm like oh wait will you spell it for me and usually that's what I do when it's a name because names at least in my community are not phonetically spelled whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> in fact I think it's a contest how to spell kids names the strangest you can <laughs> <laughs> says the woman who spelled my name away nobody knows i know <laughs> <laughs> i have to so, spell my name for everyone thank you mom you're welcome 
So after we have Susie written, then I will just place two fingers on the paper right after Susie and say, oh, I've got to remember spaces because Susie, I'm done with that word. Here's a new word. So I put my two fingers. Likes, likes, likes. What's the first sound of likes? And then I'll go through that same process where I'll pause and help have kids help me sound it out. Usually likes um, after the first few weeks of school, there'll be kids that will say likes is, is a power word and they'll spell it for me or the whole class will chime in and spell like because that's a real popular word that we use all the time. And then I'll do Susie likes and then do the space again. Blue, blue, blue. Blue's a color word. Aren't there some color words hanging around in this room? And I'll kind of look around until some kid guides me to that. And then I'll write B-L-U-E. And I'm finished writing that sentence. I got to So in that think aloud, you are modeling how to find print in the environment. I'm trying to model every reading writing strategy I can think of. I'm trying mm-hmm. to do... Um, but that one was print in the environment. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're right. There yeah. more. Yeah, I'm trying to model... Um, phonics and conventions of writing and where to look in the classroom for help and find print around the room, how to use the word wall, how to use color words that are posted, how to use student other students' names that are plastered all over the wall. So I want them to really get those strategies and I want to get them in a way where they're watching me make use of those, um, what, what's that word? that's stuff around the room environmental print yeah so i'm trying to teach the students how to make use of the environment in our classroom Mm -hmm. and so i'm really modeling that and so i will do that for about five sentences this takes probably about 15 minutes when i do the star student on fridays and then after we do this then i have the kids just to finish the star student thing then I have the kids go and copy those sentences. Um, at the beginning of the year, I have them copy one, and then as time goes on, till they can copy um, most of the sentences, and then draw a picture of the kid, and we hook it together to make a book. And I'm really not for copying sentences <laughs> off the board for any other I was going to say that doesn't really sound like a typical activity for you. <laughs> No, it's not. I'm I'm really not into it. But for the purposes of shared writing, it's it's an important strategy. It's important for kids to be able to see a product that was created in front of them and then go reproduce that product. And then as the year goes on, I will actually have kids come up and share the pen. And like if someone knows likes then I'll have them come up and write it. So I'm like, likes. How do you spell likes? And someone will yell, L-I-K-E-S. Oh, great. Will you come and write it for me? And then I'll have them write the word likes. And so it becomes a little bit more interactive as um, the year goes on. And as I'm modeling the writing in front of the students and we're doing this think aloud strategy, it's really important that I model all of the six plus one traits of writing that I talk about vocabulary and how I'm organizing the paper, how I'm organizing the ideas and how I'm using my voice in um, the sentence and how I'm choosing my words and making fluent sentences. And then finally, it's important that I model for the students presentation of writing. And I think that's one of the reasons I like them to copy the sentences is the presentation part. Presentation part of the six plus one mm-hmm. traits why don't they just call it the seven traits is it because they already know. because they already they marketed made, six traits and if they change yeah, six, it to seven six, then they'll yeah six traits is all, all trademarked and everything and so did somebody else copy write seven traits and now they can't have it so they have to have six plus one traits <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what are some other examples of shared writing that you do in your classroom Well, another favorite of mine is morning message. And that one is where on the paper, when the kids come in, the message is already constructed, but you've left a few blanks and a few other things 
um, for the kids to interact with. And so the message might say, it's Wednesday, today we will go to, and then leave a blank. And so then the kids come in and the teacher will point as you're reading the morning message together and then stop and fill in those blanks and do that same shared writing think aloud as you write the answers in the blanks. And I imagine it gets more complicated as the year goes on, right? You start really simple and then... Yes, all of these shared writing activities definitely change in complex as the year progresses. At the beginning of the year, really simple. Dear kids, hi, today is Monday. Let's have fun. Love, Mrs. Crane. (laughs) (laughs) Another one, and I haven't done this for a long time, is the daily news. And with the daily news, it's like all the kids are going to be little reporters, and then you're going to transcribe their report. So you have to kind of narrow it down because everyone wants to be a reporter (laughs) in kindergarten. (laughs) And so I would always have the helper and the caboose um, got to be the reporters for the day. So on the daily news, I had like a form that's just filled out that says room 104 news and I would say all right Susie you're the helper today what did you do last night and so they will highlight something they did last night like I played the iPad last night (laughs) (laughs) and so we will write that exciting news and and um, I'll say, Johnny, what did you do last night? My mom had a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was way more exciting. <laughs> and so I would transcribe in that think aloud style what the, those, the news is of the day. And so then I will just do it. And then the next day we'll add two more sentences. So we'll go back and read, Susie played iPad on Monday and da, da, da. And then we'll add more. And so... We'll just go back and keep rereading and adding until that whole sheet is full. And so the kids really like that, and there's a lot you can get out of the daily news. It's really fun for them. Um, One thing you can do with the daily news is, if you don't write them on the big sheets, is you can write them on a sentence strip. And I've done this one a lot. And so Susie played the iPad last night, so I will write that sentence on a uh, sentence strip and then cut it apart. And I'll say, Susie played the iPad last night. And I will say the words as I'm handing them to kids. And then I'll say, who remembers the first word of that sentence? And someone will say, Susie, Susie, who has the word Susie? We need it, we need it, bring it up. And so we'll work together to reconstruct that sentence. I remember you doing that this activity is, is, when I was your helper in sixth grade, and I came and helped you in your class. I know. <laughs> I know. It's a really old, old idea, but it's really a purposeful one and, and really fun, and the kids like it. And obviously it was meaningful if I you remember, remember it all those years later. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't even the student doing it. I was just your helper. <laughs> It's because you were in a year-round school, girl. That's right. And so you spent your summer in January <laughs> helping, helping you me in my classroom. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, year-round school was weird. Well, the hardest part about it was that we all had different schedules. You were the only one in our family that had year-round and school, everybody else. and everyone in our family was educators or students. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was all very so weird. So we were not flexible. It was it was very weird. So another activity to do is chit chat, and chit chat, I started doing in the '90s because it was kind of part of the whole language movement. Mm. And chit chat is basically having a five-minute conversation with students. And in those chit chats, you really want to focus on vocabulary words, sentence structure, and um, context. So it's really kind of an auditory thing to begin with. You just really kind of have conversations with your students about topics. And you can talk about um, anything. You can talk about things you're talking about. But I always found that 
talking about just things from life were more interesting to students. So I would say, so last night I went on a bike ride over to Swanee Park. Has anybody been there before? And so, so I would start the conversation like that. And so we would have an exchange back and forth of talking And then about, the kids would say, yes, um, there's a pokey stop there. And I walked over there <laughs> and I caught a Pidgeotto, I think is the name of one. <laughs> that's what your yeah. conversation and so like. the converse if you did it when you go back that's what it's going to be like i, I know i'm it. going to try it and see if they all talk about <laughs> pokemon go and so the chit chat really um its importance is more in the oral language development that is really important for writing because unless you can speak clearly and speak complete sentences and have conversation exchange back and forth you're really not able to write your thoughts on paper and so that was kind of the premise of the chit chat but then after you had the conversation with the students then the then um you would write we loved we love swanee park or something you would make a, like a little two sentences to summarize mm -hmm. it is kind of how the activity would go and then have a sentence illustrate it and you would save your chit chats every day and make a class book out about it like our chit chats for August our chit chats for September and then you'd go back and read them and or check them out in the library and it was a great activity so how do you facilitate a conversation when you have 20 plus kids that are supposed to be having the conversation is this a small group thing or no this is whole what group. About the... I do a lot of, I do a lot of um, partner mm -hmm. talking so when I say I went to Swanee Park hmm turn to your turn to your neighbor and tell them if you've been to the park do some so I do a talk. lot of talk and turn I do a lot of that and then I do a lot of just letting them just all blurt out <laughs> talking at the same time because that's why you know I'm not trying to limit their conversation I'm I want, them, want to them, talk. them to talk yeah and so when they're like um turn and talk I will listen and try to watch what kids really need to work on sentence structure and so I'll repeat oh you went to Swanee Park and looked for Pokemons? <laughs> Why don't you tell him I looked for Pokemons at Swanee Park? So I will try to redirect so that they will speak in a complete mm -hmm. sentence. Or I will just choose a couple kids to talk that day. Um, like I told you that in the Daily News, it's the helper caboose. Well, maybe I'll do all the kids all, that sit at the red mm -hmm. table. We'll do the so maybe I'll have like all the kids at the red table do the chit chat for the day and they'll come and stand up front and I will just conversate with the red table and the other kids will listen or chime in as they can. That makes sense. Another thing that is also fun is one time um, in my old school, the school lunch provided snacks. The kids paid $25 for the year and then the school lunch brought the snacks and one year they just kept bringing graham crackers and then <laughs> graham crackers and then graham crackers <laughs> and the kids were really getting sick of graham crackers and so we brainstormed um, what they could do about it like who brings those <laughs> snacks what what can we say and so we constructed a letter to the food department <laughs> and we did that think aloud strategies and that shared writing experience to construct a letter and we wrote it on you know the giant mm -hmm. note yeah. paper <laughs> and then rolled it up and tied it with a bow <laughs> and sent it through district mail and the um, lunch people were really nice I was kind of worried <laughs> I was you know it could go sure both ways go. <laughs> and I wasn't sure and they sent over a box of Oreos with a letter taped to it that responded to the kids dear kids we're so, we're so sorry you were tired of graham crackers see if you like Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> it was really it was really cute they played along so i was pleased because you yeah. don't know on things like that so that's another thing is you can always think of some action that your kids can write another thing we did we wrote eric carl one year because 
you know, at the end of his book of the ladybug, the caterpillar spins a cocoon instead of a chrysalis. Mm -hmm. And if you're studying that, the kids are the ones who find the problem Uh with the book. You don't have to tell the kids ever there's a problem because they know there's a problem because you've been studying chrysalises turn into butterflies. And so we wrote a letter to Eric Carle one year, but Eric Carle sadly did not write us back. (laughs) But I wrote a letter to President Carter and he wrote us back. Really? Mm -hmm. You never know who's going (laughs) to write you back. So it's (laughs) it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to do that. Do you have any more examples of shared writing? Yeah, I've got quite a few more that I really like. One is group stories. Group stories is so fun. I've, um, I remember one time in particular that I was telling my students near Thanksgiving about how I grew up on a turkey mm-hmm. farm. I'm really pretty good at making up stories because I don't care how much fiction (laughs) and embellishment is in my story because if it takes more fiction and more (laughs) embellishment to make the story good, then I'm going to go for it. (laughs) And so I told them a story about when I grew up on a turkey farm. Now that's a pretty good story in itself. How much exaggeration is in that story? It didn't really take a lot of exaggerating because growing up on a turkey farm is an adventure in itself. And being the youngest sibling of older siblings that like to bully you was pretty interesting. So I talked about the time, and I actually have this on home movies, so you've seen it. So I told them about the time that my brother took me and put me in the middle of the turkey pen with hundreds of turkeys and how I was so scared and I every time I walked the whole group of turkeys would follow me everywhere I went and if I would run the turkeys would run and if I'd tiptoe and walk slowly the turkeys would walk slowly and so I told them this story about how scared I was and how um, I decided that if I turned my back and I walked backwards and looked at the turkeys right in the eyes that maybe I would be able to walk quickly and get away from them and it worked and so I walked backward as fast as I could making sure I was looking into the turkey's eyes and I finally got to the fence and I jumped over the fence and I went home crying and told my mama (laughs) on my brother (laughs) and he got in trouble (laughs) and so I talked to my students about this story and got them really excited about it and really exaggerated the my um, intonation of the story and I tried to use words that if they didn't know I would like back up and talk to them about what the word meant and and so then I said does anyone think we could write a story about um, school like what's something we really like to do about school and so we would choose something like recess of course would be their first Thing that they want to do and so we'd construct a story together so I would do what I like to call wibble wobble stories and wibble wobble stories started as I was a child and my sister and I would make up stories at and to go to bed and we'd just go back and forth doing parts of the stories and so with my own children I wanted to teach them about wibble wobble stories and you did and that's how we fell asleep sometimes I need to teach my kids how to do a wibble-wobble story. They would like it because somebody tells a little bit of the story and then you stop and then the next person tells a little bit of the story and then they stop and then the next person tells a little bit and then they stop. It's fun. And they get really silly. It's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) They do get really silly. And so um, I'll start the story and I will say, And this, again, is going to be all oral because oral language is number one to teaching children to be good writers. So shared writing isn't isn't always putting it on paper. Shared writing is also verbal oral language writing. So I would start the Wibble Wobble story by saying, let's write about recess. It's 10 o'clock. It's time to go to recess. So the class opened the door and they saw 
A, and then I would point at somebody and, and then they would just say whatever comes to mind. And this takes a lot of practice. You have to start small and slow like you have to do. And so maybe that kid would say, A dog. And then I will always do the next turn at the beginning of the year. The wibble wobbly will be me, them, me, them, because that's how I keep the story mm -hmm. together. Well, and, and instructed do you kind try of to get story. them to expand their answers? Because I could see that they would be very short when you're first trying to do this. Like, mm -hmm. And they saw a dog. Mm -hmm. And then... Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the year, I do accept that. I accept their little short answers. But then as we're learning about writing and we're learning about words that make the story mm -hmm. better and adjectives and adverbs, then their speaking will expand on this, but it takes a lot of practice and a lot of going back and forth. And I found that um, if I pull back and do this in a small group, it always, the kids are better in a small group for sure. So I'll practice a lot in small groups. So that's another fun thing to do is, is group stories that are all oral. That sounds like a pretty good way to and then of practice practice the writing skills you want your kids to develop. So in addition to group stories, another thing that you can do is beginning, middle, ending stories. And I have some picture cards and I have them all nouns because the nouns work better for this activity. So I might put up three cards, just pull them randomly of a princess, a cat, and a horse. And then I will point at the princess. Once upon a time, a princess was walking down the road and she saw a gray cat. The cat said meow and said, will you be my friend, princess? So they made friends and they lived happily ever after and rode to see the horse, mm -hmm. the end. <laughs> so silly, just silly random stories, but you're pointing along as you, at the three cards as you do beginning, middle, and ending. And after you model one or two, the kids really love these a lot. So have you ever done a shared writing activity with a chart in your classroom? Oh yeah, I like making charts together. I remember whenever I'd introduced the behavior I wanted at a certain center, like the listening center that I'd always do a looks like, sounds like chart. And then we would do a shared writing activity where we talked about what we wanted it to look like and what we wanted it to sound like when we were at the center. Well, yeah, charts, are, you can do a lot of fun things with charts. Yeah, charts is a great way to bring shared writing into your classroom because there's a lot of times that you will find that a chart will solve a problem in the classroom. And it's fun to create those together. So when you're doing a shared writing lesson, if you want to expand the learning that you're doing, what are some things you can do? So I think it's like teaching anything. You need to be strategic and you need to have a plan. And so I like to take my areas of concepts of print, phonological awareness, phonics, and high frequency words, and then jot down some questions that will allow me to extend the learning of my students. For example, if I want to ask a question about concepts of print, I'll say, when we're doing a modeled writing, I'll say, oh, where do we start writing? Oh, which way do I go now? Or I will say, why did I leave a space in, in, in between these words? What is this space for? Or how many words are in this sentence that we just wrote? Let's go back and count those words. Or if I'm writing a word, I'll say, hmm, this is in the middle of the sentence. Should I use an uppercase or lowercase? So I will just ask specific questions that are concept of print bound. For phonological awareness, I would say ask questions that have um, phonological answers like, what letter makes that sound? Hmm, Susie. I like how Susie rhymes with boozy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It also rhymes <laughs> no, with floozy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Susie rhymes with boozy floozy. Susie, let's make a, let's make a poem out of it. Susie is a boozy boozy. <laughs>
<laughs> so on fo- <laughs> so on phonological awareness, I will ask questions and think aloud things that ha- are phonological <laughs> in sense. So I would say, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Can't. So I would say I things like, <laughs> I can't, I can't. So I would say things like, um, <laughs> what, be, what letter makes that sound? Or, or I would say cat, cat. Tell me the three sounds you hear in cat. Or I would talk about, um, dinosaur. That's a big word. Let's clap dinosaur together. Dinosaur. If my focus of the lesson is phonics, I'd ask questions that, are like, what sound does that letter make? Or I would point out words that begin to the same word family. Or I would say, hey, cat, cat, ah, ask the vowel in cat, and things like that. Or high frequency words, I would always call out and say, hey, look, that's a high frequency word. It's on our power word wall. Or, hey, that's an easy one. It's on our word wall. Can you spell that word? So those are some things to think about along the way. So when you do your shared writing lesson, you need to make sure that you um, jot down what your objective is for the day and what you want your concepts to be. Well, I think shared writing was a great place to start with this uh, writing series we just got ourselves into. So I think next time we will do a combination of um, interactive writing and structured writing. Sounds good. Can't wait. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) And maybe we'll talk about Susie the Boozy Floozy (laughs) once again. (laughs) We want to remind everyone that there's still time to enter the contest to win a free year of ESGI. All you have to do is go to iTunes, find our podcast, and leave us a rating and review, and you're automatically entered. ESGI is the best way to authentically assess your students and gather data. And everything's there for you at a push of a button. If you want to know which children in your class um, are doesn't know the letter H, for example, it's there. Click of a button. Or if you want to print flashcards for students that are customized for them and even has their name on them, push of a button. Everything is there. You'll love ESGI. 400 hours. Woohoo! <laughs> If you want to learn more about us, you can visit us at kindergartenkiosk.com and you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. We're always looking for new ideas for our podcast, especially if you know somebody who's made a difference in your early childhood education teaching. Please let us know. We'd love to have them on the podcast. Thank you to bensound.com for our music and thank you everybody for listening. Have a great day, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?